Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Our guest on this episode is Evan Altman, editor-in-chief of CubsInsider.com. And, well, we pretty much just talk about the U Darvish trade, the whole podcast, what the implications are, where the Cubs go from here. Not a good place they're going. Probably a rebuild. But... We're going to talk about everything, the ownership's money, issues, and just, yeah, everything to do with this bummer of a Hugh Darvish trade, but without much further ado, here's Evan. Uh, Evan, welcome back to Holy Cow, Cubs podcast. Glad to have you on. Yeah, I didn't, uh, there's not really much to talk about right now, right? I nothing, know, it's nothing really very boring time for the Cubs. Oh, oh boy. So I guess we'll just get right into it. Um, the last podcast I had with Robert Mays, we talked about, you know, Len Casper and Schwarber and all those moves. But then you're wondering, was there going to be a rebuild? And yeah, there's going to be a pretty big rebuild. You uh, Darvish, of course, has been traded to the Padres along with Victor Caratini for, I will say, in the kindest way possible. Poor man's Kyle Hendricks, Zach Davies, and some teenagers. So, well, one of them just turned twenty, so okay. they're not all teenagers. One of them's mm-hmm. three weeks out of being a teenager. So let's let's give that guy some credit. But okay. uh, so, yeah. yeah, I'll just let you get going. What's rebuild start? Well, yeah, and I, it's so weird, and and I'll kind of go backwards to an extent. And it's funny because Jed Hoyer said during his his uh, Wednesday press conference to you know kind of discuss the moves and everything that they they were not doing a full teardown that they were doing a quote unquote small reset, <laughs> you know, which <laughs> okay um, that seems to run contrary to what we've seen because if you trade someone uh, and, and not just someone it's we focus the, the all the focus, particularly nationally, has been around you, Darvish. And I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll eventually get back to my feelings on the subject, and and kind of want to walk through a few things. But you trade the guy who's the ace of your staff, and what's interesting. The other interesting thing about this is, uh, there's, man, there's so much to unpack. I got to okay, let's organize some thoughts here. But you trade him for, as you said, uh, essentially four teenagers. They may as well be teenagers, right? And Zach Davies. And Zach Davies is only under contract for one year you know, eight to $10 million depends on where he ends up in arbitration. And, and so he's gone. There's no long-term salary obligation. You, you maintain the same rotation, at least the number of guys you have in the rotation, Uh significant downgrade though. Yes. Uh, and not only is it a significant downgrade, but you took your only starting pitcher. Now, Edward Alzali does have a, a pretty strong fastball. And so that'll bounce up, but he, you know, returning starter, who had a dynamic fastball and and had that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that and Davies has been relatively successful given that Hendricks has been very successful. Alec Mills doesn't have the track record, but you've got three starters right now mm-hmm. who Mills is the hardest thrower. Yes. 
of among your three starters, and then we assume Alzali, you know, do they go with a bunch of guys at the end? But and Mills throws 90. His mm-hmm. average fastball is 90, right? Um, that scares me, the lack of dynamism. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, that is clearly not a play to improve you long term. And with the young guys, none of them helps at best if things work out. At best, you're looking at 23, 2023 mm-hmm. before they come up. So, and and Hoyer said they'd spend again when they had the bones of a contender. Well, you have the bones of a contender yes. now. So you they or they had, and as I wrote, you know, well, you just basically you traded away a spine and a femur. Mm-hmm. So you, you had the bones, now you don't. And and I think what's also interesting to note again, the focus has been on Darvish, but the really interesting this would have been a fairly light haul based on the assumptions had it just been Darvish, but it wasn't mm-hmm. just Darvish. They also traded Victor Caratini, who, you know, a lot of people who look solely at the box score don't see the things that he does, mm-hmm. but he he was an excellent catcher. He was Darvish's personal catcher. He's also a switch hitter. And when batting as a righty, he did very well against left-handed pitching, mm-hmm. 892 OPS, which is the highest on the team. Mm-hmm. Or a team that OPS only 619 total, 619. Against lefties, that's the worst the Cubs have hit in 101 years against lefties. Only the Mariners were worse this year. Mm-hmm. So you traded away your best hitter against left-handed pitchers over the last season. Now, Chris Bryant overall would be, but Caratini could still handle the backup And duties. a guy that they they had a lot of faith in. I mean, they, yeah. they DH'd him a lot. So and he's like, a young guy. Lots of control. Yeah. Cheap. And mm-hmm. and they kicked in $3 million, which, which is incidentally, and, and that's a little bit interesting because Darvish, everybody keeps saying he's owed 59 million. He's actually owed 62 because by finishing second in the Cy Young, he got a $1 million salary bump Mm -hmm. over the last three years of his deal. So essentially the Cubs are paying off that bonus. But that's the amazing thing to me is that this makes less sense Mm -hmm. as you continue to go through it, unless the only purpose was to dump as much salary as possible Mm -hmm. and everyone knew they had to. And the Padres were one of the few teams that was really in a transactional mode. We saw mm-hmm. that. And and this the the Cubs were up against a barrel or over a barrel because they said, you know, we don't have money. We gotta we gotta cut the payroll. Everybody knew it. And this was the best they could do. And the the frustrating part for the first thing that was weird, and I'm going backwards and I'll stop rambling here in just a moment, but the, the wild thing was that Sunday night. The Padres made a fairly surprise surprise mm-hmm. move for Blake Snell, and everybody assumed then, okay, good, yeah, they're, they're the Darvish rumors are done, no worries. About- and yet Monday morning, immediately there's a, I think it was R.J. Anderson from CBS Sports was the first thing I, I hear they're actually still interested, in, and the reports mm-hmm. keep coming, and there's like, oh, now there's a catcher thrown in, and as soon as those came out, as soon as we heard catcher, everyone figured like, okay, it's it's not going to be Mackenzie Gore, they're not getting him, but. Mm-hmm the Cubs should be able to get one of the top two or three guys in that system. And maybe Jake Cronenworth, the second baseman, who's got a really nice contact profile, who's only had like one full year in the pros. So a lot of year of control. Um, and they signed Kim, the Korean shortstop, who they said they're going to move to second base, who had displaced Cronenworth. So it's like, oh, awesome. That all makes so much sense. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe it would be Will Myers to offset some salary. And, and, hey, he'd take up an outfield spot for yeah. the Cubs where – they need help. And, and so it all started to fall together. Like, okay, clearly they're going to get one or two top prospects. One of these guys who just got displaced and somebody to eat up some salary. And that actually helps the Cubs. It, mm-hmm. it makes sense in the short term. It fills everything. But then it came out. You're like, wait, what? 
Yeah. You get, and that, that's the part right there that they accepted that return. Right. Rather than say, because mm -hmm. under normal circumstances, there's no way in hell they would accept that return no. for you, Darvish. But the, the fact of the matter is, A, they had to dump salary. And B, it's very clear that they don't care that much about compete, that they're not planning to compete mm -hmm. for at least the next two years yes. because they got no one back who addresses any of the issues with their roster at all. Well, and then that let me, was what burned me. Let me ask you then, because now I'm, we're going to take a logical jump here that might not be justified logical jump, but I'm going to make it. Theo Epstein leaves. Did they say to Theo Epstein, you're dumping salary no matter what this year? And Theo said, peace to that. I'm not doing that. I'm gone. I, I believe it was very, so I'll, our, uh, my, my podcast that I host called The Rant Live, mm -hmm. um, we have a, a Cubs and a Bears version, but on the Cubs version, and this was before Epstein left, mm -hmm. um, my co-host, John Strong, he asked me, he said, okay, you're Theo Epstein, I'm Tom Ricketts. I'm telling you, you got to get payroll to $120 million. I think that was a figure, you know, 130, something like that. What's your response? I said, I will turn in my two weeks notice. Mm -hmm. I'm done. And, and so the only surprising thing to me about Epstein leaving is the fact that it happened as late as it did. I figured mm -hmm. he would have known this. He would have just walked out shortly after. But I, I think the thing is he wanted to get housekeeping stuff in order. I mean, there's no reason for him to have stuck around that extra month um, were it not for that. But it, I mean, it had to be, and he said in his, in his letter, I mean, he said specifically there are some hard decisions that are going to have mm -hmm. to be made that, that are going to reach farther into the future. Uh, that, that I think someone who's going to be here for a longer period needs to, to kind of shepherd or mm -hmm. that wouldn't his no, I'm paraphrasing, but, and he said the, it's something that temporary budget issues or temporary, you know, it, he basically said, we're going to have to get rid of some guys and we're not going to have the money to spend. And so I don't think it was, and it wasn't a matter of being angry about it or anything else like that, but it was more a matter of like, Hey, nothing that I can do this winter is actually, I'm not going to see this through because I won't be here. Cause I know I'm gone after next yeah. year I'm leaving. And, you know, and I will guarantee that Tom Ricketts was like, Oh, you know, Hey, uh, boy, sorry to see you go, buddy. Um, Hey, uh, you're, you're resigning though. Right. So, uh, we don't have to cut you that $10 million check and we could just yeah. take that and pay off John Lester's buyout. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, it, everyone, I, you know, and that's what, that's what I wrote about too. When the first reports came out, that Epstein might actually walk away. That's why I was like, I bet ownership wants that. They want mm -hmm. that $10 million. Yeah. And then people go, oh, they could reallocate. No, they're not reallocating any of mm -hmm. that. They didn't even, they're not going to hire a new GM. I know. I was going to say, they won't even spring for a GM. Right. They, they want, and, you know, and, and Hoyer can frame it however he needs to. Oh, I'd like to have face to face interviews. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. um, how about Jared Porter, the guy that everybody said you actually wanted, who had been in the organization, going to New York? Right. And, and I understand this was mm -hmm. like, hey, we could have hired Porter because we know him. We don't need yeah, to do yeah. interviews. Now he's gone. Now we got to get, but part of that is the Mets are spending money on employees, mm -hmm. right? Not just yes. the big employees, but everybody. And the Cubs cut a hundred employees and cut mm -hmm. salary. And so who wants to go to a team? And then if I'm Jared Porter, I'm sure as hell not going to Chicago where yes. I know I'm going to have to basically just be an ax man yes. and, and try to conduct all this, you know, that that's tough, man. Um, And, and it just, that again, that's the part that is frustrating, but yeah, I think Epstein absolutely left because he knew. I don't, I don't want to make this sound petty 
because some people are like, well, we don't need you, quitter. But it's like, mm-hmm. no, I, I don't uh, like uh, it feels like if you get a guy, a leadoff batter, 3-0 on three pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's just go ahead and put him on. Right. Like you're dancing yes. around. You're hoping you get him to swing. Uh, yeah, we'll put him on because there's nothing else. There's that next pitch mm-hmm. that I make isn't going to matter. I don't want to waste my bullets. So let's just put him on there. We get the double play in order. And that's all this was. This is just mm-hmm. the OFC saying it doesn't matter. Let's yes. move on. And and that is also unfortunate because it tells you again that these moves are not themselves being made. Like the Cubs are having to clear salary and in the hopes that once fans can come back and once the more money drops off after 21 and if those revenue streams back up and if mm-hmm. uh, Marquis actually gets making some money, yes. then maybe in 22 – maybe they can start but you can't just the the kids quote unquote won't all be ready by then and mm-hmm. and who knows what's gonna happen so it's it's frustrating but again that darvish move and that's what i said if they said it from well before it was made if they trade darvish they are punting on at mm-hmm. least one season at least um and and that's and that's what we're seeing i mean it could things change yeah absolutely but you don't you don't trade a guy like that. if you mean to compete you do not trade that guy with still three years left. And, and yeah. you know, again, this is like John Lester. You know, the, it, this would have been like trading John Lester two years mm-hmm. ago. Uh, similarly, except Darvish is, is even better. And that's it's so funny because people are like, well, he's a 34-year-old. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Justin Verlander was like 35 or 36 when he got traded to Houston. Yes. And how'd that work out? Like, these guys, this isn't the years of old when these guys are out drinking and not working out and doing all this stuff. Like, these guys are taking care of them. Tom Brady's 40 freaking three. Mm-hmm. He's playing in the NFL. Like, don't tell me this dude can't pitch for yeah, another two it, seasons. Yeah, it's not like he was second for the Cy Young this year and dominated the second half of 2019. He's pitching about as good as he's ever pitched. So it's it's not and like... it's ironic that that performance is essentially what got him shipped mm-hmm. out of town because he raised his value enough uh, that, that the teams would go after him but it's just again a team and, and Hoyer keeps saying they want to compete but if you want to compete you do not make a significant downgrade by trading away not just your your top starter and let's be honest like Kyle Hendricks is great but Darvish was clearly I mean far and away what we saw from him this past season yes. uh the only thing I've seen better over kind of a prolonged run was was Jake Arrieta's 2015 season mm-hmm. right and that's uh, obvious but it's and and again, I can understand the idea of trading him mm-hmm. if, as I mentioned before, you get, you know, and, and the names are going to escape me, so I don't want to mess them up or do anything. But mm-hmm. if you get, actually, C.J. Abrams is the one I was thinking. I think he's like the, the Padres number two, a shortstop, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the Cubs have a lot of shortstops, but those guys can move all over. You get that. You get Cronenworth. Um, maybe you get one of their their lower pitches. That's the other. They didn't get a single mm-hmm. pitching prospect. They got two shortstops, oh. two outfielders with a, with an organization that clearly needs as much pitching as it can yes. get but you know you get a pitching prospect you get abrams you get cronenworth and you mm-hmm. take back myers or davies to to offset some of the padres salary mm-hmm. that is a team then that all of a sudden hey are these perfect no but you get a lefty contact yeah. bat you get a corner outfielder you get a guy you can develop and you get a pitcher that you can maybe work on that is a team yes. that is at least looking to compete, maybe not as much 21, mm-hmm. but in 22, because those pieces other than maybe one would would still be around and you can move around that stuff and you're you're actually still 
losing some salary. Mm-hmm. So but, that's that's where I have a really hard time with Hoyer saying we plan to compete in 21. Yeah, no. And then so then I'll ask. It's got to be, I know other GMs got to know this. They know more than we do. They know there's blood in the water with the Cubs, that they're desperate. They're going to move salary. So are we going to see a lot of people go now? Are we going to see multiple trades from coming up? Or do you think they'll stop? Well, and, and, and here's, here's the thing. Right, we could look at it a couple of different ways, and 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 I don't know uh, one way or the other. Right, it's it's weird that given what we just saw, the the decision to tender Chris Bryant a contract almost seems yeah. strange. And, and you know, because again, if it's purely a money thing, um, and, and he's a great player, but we know right now that the value they could get for him in a trade is is minimal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, based on cost, yeah. based on he hasn't been healthy, um. You know, if they're banking on getting healthy, that's one thing. And and I think it's I thought it would have been a stupid decision to non-tender him. Mm-hmm. But if again, if we're looking at I'm looking at Cubs strategy, it seems odd, not what I think they should be doing. And and so you kind of wonder, okay, well, do you hold on to him? Was it a was it a matter of like you've got to get rid of either him or Darvish? Mm-hmm. And one of them's gonna at least get you back something, even though they still had to kick in their backup catcher and three million dollars. But um so that's one thing. And I think, okay, there's one school of thought that says maybe that's it. And and that's what they needed mm-hmm. to do. That was a mandate. They had to get under 150 million or whatever it is done. However, uh, and there's a really good piece by Ryan Davis over at Cubs insider who, who wrote about, uh, and he, he likened it to, to breaking bad and, and the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the idea of no half measures um, because again, going halfway really does, you no good. Um, and so you're still, if you don't move some more players, right? And the thought is, is it Wilson Contreras, because he's the one that can mm-hmm. probably bring back the most in return. And, you know, for as young a, a guy as he seems, he's going to turn 29 this year. Um, he'll be 30 the following year in his last year of team control. Like, it, it, he's the guy who, if you're looking at the mistakes they've made in failing to trade players at their peak, He's the one that's left that you could still trade at his peak value. Do they do that? Uh, because if you're going to go ahead and start moving people and you're not going to compete for the next two years, yes, you know, why not? Like you got to go and, down to the bolts. Yeah. Right. I mean, if, if that's and in, if you truly want to get pieces that can then help you not in 21, but 22, 23 and beyond, He's really the only one right now that does it. Chris Bryant, a trade like that again, the the name that keeps bringing keeps coming up is Starlin Castro, yeah. because he would offset some salary, and the Nationals don't want him. Doesn't help the Cubs, but at oh. least that burns them off. Like that could happen, but that's again, that's a pure salary mm-hmm. dump. Uh, you know, do you do you start? I can't imagine them moving Javi again. The yeah, value yeah. was a little bit wacky there, but it's so strange. But yeah, if. If they don't at this, after having made that move, I mm-hmm. thought that was bad. I hate it. But after having made it, if there are not other trades, that speaks as poorly uh, to and is mm-hmm. as big an indictment, I think, on the first trade yes. as as the trade itself. Because the, where are you now? You're, you're just stuck in the middle. You didn't do anything mm-hmm. to fill out the roster uh, that is exactly. clearly very flawed. So um, I hate to say it, but but if there aren't more trades, they've actually done a worse job because yes. of the first one. Well, that's the other thing, you know, this is about 
Uh, you know, the fans in 2011, you know, they hired Theo Epstein. We're going to blow it up, rebuild from the start, you know, so and so many years of success, all that stuff. But are fans going to be willing to do that again for just like in 10 years, two massive rebuilds? Now, I know there's a World Series in between, but is the fan patience level, especially with the stuff with Marquis and all that stuff, like, because it's not done well to soothe the fans. Do you think it'll work as well this time? No, nor nor should it. Now, I know uh, Hoyer spoke to that specifically and said, hey, we're not doing the same thing. Now, part of the reason you can't do the same thing, I mean, the, the rules have changed a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but other teams also know what they'd be trying to do. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's part of it. Uh, the other part is, though, like you said, fans do not have the patience to do it again. And, and it was funny to see, you know, you didn't see the people in 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. 2017 bitching about the, the, you know, when this stuff was starting. And that was really around the time uh, 2011, 2012 was really when I started writing um, for, for kind of public consumption. And I was all in on the rebuild. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew it needed to happen. I understood it. But it was funny because doing that, and, and at the time, there's some Yahoo contributor networks, so you open yourself up to a, a really broad basis, even worse than what I deal with mm-hmm. now. But there were so many people. I mean, I had, there's one guy that frequently commented that, that referred to Epstein as Theo the liar every time, which is amazing because I'm like, he's never lied about anything. He no. told you exactly what he was going to do. Yes. Uh, so stop being an idiot. But there were so many people that hated it, that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that thought Scott Feldman was great and should have been re-signed. Mm-hmm. And Paul Mahalam and guys like that. It's like, well, but those are the people on whose backs they ended up getting all these mm-hmm. great players or or eventually making some moves to, to get there. And, and it's funny because you saw that there's two sides to this, one of which is that now all of a sudden, You've got a whole lot of people who think a rebuild is like just a magic yeah. bullet, right? Yeah, oh, it's time to rebuild. They'll uh, take what two years, three years. Yeah, get us right back. Look what happened the last time. It's like, well, no, you idiots. The, 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 like, think about it. One play goes the wrong way mm-hmm. in that World Series, yes. whether it be Game Seven or, or earlier. Oh yes, Bryant doesn't hit the home run mm-hmm. in uh, in five, right? Um, yeah, Kipnis goes things, deep in. Kipnis yeah, goes it, deep in the ninth. Yeah, if that happens. Now we're not even talking about having the World Series mm. to bank this stuff on. And, and again, I don't want to be revisionist history and, and talk about that, but I'm saying the, the point here is that it being that successful hinges on so many things breaking the right way. Having, even though they're not all there anymore, having all those consecutive first-round picks hit so big that those guys make it up to the majors. And Al Mora took the longest to get there, right? Because he was the only one they picked right out of high school. But the rest of the guys were up within a year, year and a half, yeah. all contributing to that World Series team. Every single one of them, when you go from, uh, and Javi wasn't a Theo pick, but he was there the year before. And so it's, you know, Javi and Al Mora and Bryant and Schwarber uh, and, and then eventually Hap and all these guys all coming up, mm-hmm. every one of them, yes. and, and having a huge impact. So, to see that again, that's yeah. not going to work. Um, nor, nor should it. Nor should fans have patience for the idea. Now, I, I, and it's funny. So you got like two schools, right? Before, it was people were pissed about rebuilding because they just were they didn't want to see the Cubs suck, which is mm-hmm. weird because the Cubs had sucked like a lot yes. prior to that point. So, yes. but now they've experienced success, and now people I think are, have forgotten the pain and the and the mm-hmm. work that it took to go through that so those people might be calling for rebuild now but you have far more people who understand 
very well what is happening with the appreciation of the club value since the Ricketts yes. purchased the Cubs. Yes. Uh, who are looking at the changes physically that have taken place mm-hmm. around Wrigley Field. Who who see, and those things were all, mind you, those things all took place and were all forgiven, were mm-hmm. all understood and, and what it, because the Cubs were winning. That was the yes. point. Do what yep. you want to Wrigley Field. Put up the video boards. Buy mm-hmm. up all the rooftops. Put yes. up a hotel. As long as you're putting a winner on the field, I don't yep. care what you do with the ballpark. Yep. That was, I mean, that that's was the problem. About it. Yeah. What did they say? This is sustained success. We are going to redo the stadium. We're going to put by all the rooftops, set up the network, and we'll have money forever. And we will never have to do any kind of cost saving moves again. Once we get this going, it's going to print money. We're good. And it's just not anywhere close to that. Yeah, and that's and that's again the the flip side of that is when you charge a premium price for your product, mm-hmm. you damn well better give a premium product. Yes. Uh, that was very alliterative, maybe more so than I needed it to be. But you know, I'm not gonna go right. I've got right now. I'm drinking this excellent uh, dark charge barrel aged beer from mm-hmm. from Braxton Brewing. It's awesome. But, uh, and, and you know, if I buy a bottle of beer for $20 mm-hmm. and I open it up and it sucks, you can be damn sure I'm not going to buy that beer again. Yes. If I know it sucks, I'm not going to pay that price for mm-hmm. this. And, and speaking of, that's about what it costs to buy a regular beer at Wrigley Field these yes. days. But the Cubs have not, not kidding by any stretch since really since Sammy Sosa got hot. Mm-hmm. You can look at the graphs and look at it and what happened to their ticket prices, but they have outpaced the rest of the National League. Yes. Far and away. And, and, and that's just the ticket prices on average. And that's before you consider that they've removed a lot of standard seating mm-hmm. in favor of premium experiences, quote unquote, different yes, suites yes. And, and, you know, multiple, they have like four or five different ones now. Mm-hmm. So the average price are going way up and, and that's even corporate stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that maybe is a little bit more resistant to change, but you have, you've alienated more fans. They can't go there. The prices have gone up. You know, I dropped my season tickets because it just mm-hmm. wasn't a good investment anymore. And I fear more people. I don't fear it. I, I expect many more people mm-hmm. to do the same because there is an expectation at that point, whether we look at like the fandom in general is one thing. But again, if you are going to demand of your fans mm-hmm. that they pay the highest prices, yes. the fans have every right to demand right back that the mm-hmm. Cubs provide them the best possible experience. And I don't care how cool the, the surrounding is. No. If I'm out there watching a team that is filled with a bunch of schlubs, mm-hmm. that's going to ruin my experience. Yes. And, and that, but that is something the Ricketts family has banked on Cubs fans mm-hmm. being more involved in the brand of the yes. Cubs and the experience of being a Cubs fan. Somebody than they are Twitter people wanting competitiveness the other day. Um, the quote from uh, Tom Ricketts talking about his father trying to convince him to invest in the Cubs. And where he, the father, Joe goes, I'm not going to invest in it. And Tom said, they'll come no matter what. The fans mm-hmm. come no matter what. Stadiums always fill win or lose. And then the guy goes, well, that sounds like a good business, Joe says. And that quote now, looking back on it, it's like, you better hope that's true because the way they're kind of messing with this stuff, they're taking a risk. They they are. And what's, you know, the, the thing with this, and clearly we're talking about a different 
you know, the, the Ricketts family that runs the Cubs is mm -hmm. different from Joe Ricketts who yes. essentially gave him the money yeah. to buy it. So, I mean, it's, there's a fine line and people could say, you know, people kind of argue over who owns them or whatever, but mm -hmm. it's really a matter of like, here's, okay, here's the money. I'll mm -hmm. help front this to you or, yes. or, you know, you now go do what you want with it. Mm -hmm. And you know, what's, what's happening and, and not to, to, this might sound weird, but it feels like get a little biblical here the the parable of the talents where you know a master gave it three servants and he gives one of them you know five talents or what a talents or, or coins right and mm -hmm. one of them two and one of them one and the one who got five he went out and invested it and then the owner comes back he's like here i invested this is like i have 10 talents he's like you know well done good and faithful servant here you mm -hmm. go uh the next one same thing invested it came back i gave you four and the one who got one was like hey um, so I took it and I was scared of what would happen. Cause I know you're, you really love your money. And so I buried it and, and here it is back. And he said, you know, you're wicked and, and threw him in jail or whatever. So, um, again, not perfect, but the deal here, I know they have invested in all these things, but the thing is they actually, and so it's not a perfect comparison by any stretch, but they over the, the family has overindulged in some of these things they they went too far too fast overextended themselves is really what i should look at and so their debt is at such a high level that they've now left themselves and, and they don't they're not getting any more money mm -hmm. like they were given here's your allotment they're cut off yeah do with this what you will i'm not giving you any more you need to go handle this now mm -hmm. and and i think what we're seeing is is some you know some silver spoon kids who thought they could run some of this stuff. They got really big and great. Listen, I don't want to downplay the pandemic that that had nothing yeah, to do with it. It, yeah. it. it clearly did. Like that's real, mm -hmm. but you're still billionaires. Your ball club is still worth well north of $3 billion, especially when you add in all the myriad investments they've got around yes, there. Yes. Uh, they just, and you know, and it's really tough to swallow mm -hmm. when you see them cutting normal everyday employees, making less than yes. hundred grand. And they invest, go into business on this uh, this SPAC deal that that they get an IPO and raise three hundred twenty five million dollars, right? Um, yes. They still have the Major League Baseball owners still maintain a fifteen percent share in BamTech, which is a streaming mm -hmm. service that operates Disney Plus and and just a lot the NHL yes. and a ton of other stuff, yes. right? So it it just doesn't square when you look at these things and say, and I I get it, right? Like having actual cash to pay to cut checks and make payroll and things like that is very different from value and yes, the yes. appraised, you know, I, my, my home's worth X. That does not mean I can spend that amount yeah. of money that I just Somebody have, have that to cash buy right. it. Yeah. yeah Somebody I mean, would have to buy it. But when you're talking about a baseball club and when you have mm -hmm. Tom Rick, it's an other owner saying, you know, it's not about short-term profitability and annual profitability. Mm -hmm. It's really about the appreciation of the asset. Yes. And he said that he said it on and off the record. Um, mm -hmm. Well, if that's the case, let's look at it like a 401k. You know, I invest in my money. I have it through work. If the stock market goes belly up for a, a few months and it did right earlier this year, and I lost a bunch of money in mm -hmm. my 401k, but I didn't, I did not lose money. The value of my 401k dropped. Yes. I am not worried about that short-term loss yes. because the goal is to let my long-term asset appear. Yes. Just like when it goes up, I don't have more money. And and if you're saying that my goal is not to make money in the short term and, and get profit, make yes. cash, then your goal, then that should not be deterred by losing money in the yes. short term either. 
And that's where I have this huge problem because we're talking about billionaire economics. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Your ball club didn't make a hundred million dollars and made a hundred million dollars less than they didn't lose money. Like no. this is what we need to talk about. They did not lose $140 million. No, no. They simply didn't make as much as exactly. they expected, but guess what? They only had to pay 36% of the baseball payroll too. Yes. Their expenses went way down. They didn't pay all those. They give cost cuts, pay cuts across the way, laid off a hundred people. So don't sit here and try to talk to me about your losses. Mm -hmm. You didn't lose money. You know, go, you went more into debt because yeah, you, you took stuff out to finance, but yes, it, people know that and people are going to have a real hard time mm -hmm. swallowing that if they don't get a team on the field that can actually win games. Well, I've been turning this over in my head for a couple days now, but I thought I'd ask you because I think it's now this is a counterfactual. This didn't happen, so we can't know what would happen, but we'll go back to like 09 and Mark Cuban is allowed to buy the Cubs instead of the Ricketts. What do you think happens to the Cubs? Ooh. Well, the, the, the issue there too, is I know, and, and Cuban, I think looked at the books and part of that was, you know, they, the, the way they sort of financed the sale and the way they made it work was of course the Tribune company then and mm -hmm. Sam Zell, and there were all kinds of weird little tax loopholes. They tried to go through. They also kind of made them stick to the TV arrangement that was there. That's part of the reason the Cubs are screwed right now. So, Yes. Um, so I know Mark Cuban was too smart to buy him at the time, even though he wanted to, but you know, I, I do think that what you see and what you see in the NBA and kind of what you're seeing with the Mets right now with Steve Cohen is that these guys run these teams, not like their primary business, right? Because they mm -hmm. became billionaires. They got super filthy rich. Yes. They said, you know what? I'd like to have a cool hobby and owning a sports mm -hmm. team would be a really fun hobby to have. It's not going to be my main goal because I have these billions of dollars over here. And so I don't care yeah. if I operate at a loss uh, on a given year or if my profit margins are just very thin mm -hmm. because this is not my primary business. Exactly. And I don't really care that much. And, and I do think we would see more of this Steve Cohen thing. I think we would see, you know, but I, I don't know, does Theo Epstein still come to town? Does that stuff mm -hmm. all work out? But I, I do think you would see a team that is operated like, a sports franchise mm -hmm. and not like a business that happens to involve sports. Um, yes. But, but baseball owners by and large are an old boys club who has banded together uh, mm -hmm. that, that they are very interested in their, and we didn't even talk about getting giant increases in their TV deals, uh, especially oh, yeah. for the postseason rights, but yeah. and we don't need to, but, but those are things they're concerned with that. They're other than the Braves who are owned by a, a publicly held corporation uh, whose books clearly showed that the past year was not nearly as bad as what people are mm -hmm. making it out to be. Uh, they don't have to show us their books so they can tell us whatever they want about how profitable or, yeah. or how big a loss they took. And we, we don't have to accept it, but we can't bring about any real numbers to refute it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I, I do think Cuban being there because he's just a different type of dude and he doesn't fit with that baseball mentality. And I think he's a guy who understands the experience. Uh, we've seen that with his Mavs ownership. So um, I think overall you'd have someone who's as wealthy as he is. He seems like a guy who gets it in terms that of wants to win yeah. people. Yeah. He, not only does he want to win, but I think, I think he understands fans and what fans want. And I, I I'll, I'll close on, on this statement with this. Uh, when Crane Kenny, the president of business operations, was talking about 
in the wake of Len Casper leaving, and he was talking about the new broadcaster they bring in. He said, this won't, this hire won't be about, this will be about Cubs fan culture. This won't be about ownership culture. Mm -hmm. And no statement I've ever heard is more telling about the disconnect between Cubs ownership and Cubs fans, because it says explicitly that the owners are not a part of and may not even be very well aware of, and this is something I believe for a while, but they said the quiet part out loud, there is no unifying singular culture. Mm -hmm. There's what ownership wants and there's what fan fans want and, and believe and feel. And the owners are on a different level in that regard. And that is troublesome because it means that what they have done uh, or admits that what they have done, as you mentioned earlier, they took a product and a brand that they felt was, was absolutely foolproof. And, and they sort of tried to synthesize it. They bought a small family market or restaurant and they tried to franchise it out mm -hmm. uh, without actually understanding what it was about that place that made it so great. And, and mm -hmm. so what they've tried to do is, uh, is change the Cubs in that way to their own liking. And I think what we're seeing is that that doesn't really resonate as well. And, and I don't know that there's a, a chance for that to, re, uh, to reinvigorate itself, barring some other changes. What's kind of funny, too, that, that this was when he first bought the team, he was the outreaching owner. He was sitting in the stands, shaking hands with people, talking to the normal fans. And it's like, oh, it turns out he did not pick up on what the fans actually wanted, despite all the talking to well, and a lot of that too is like, okay, uh, what he he made sure to surround himself by people who said what he wanted to hear, um, and, and 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 for a while, I mean, that goodwill was there, like through twenty seventeen at least, uh, but then it turned into okay, you know, the fans that want to run up and get an autograph from the owner or get a selfie with the owner or whatever, like they're gonna tell the owner what he wants to hear, tell him what a great job mm -hmm. he's doing, or tell him how awesome everything is. And those are the people he chose to listen to. And, and when you go seeking the answers you want, you're generally going to find, like when you confine the people answering you, you know, we've seen this in, in certainly in some politicians, things like that, but it's, it's a yes man type of a thing. Mm -hmm. And, and so the people who Tom Ricketts generally hears from are those who are, who are right there at Cubs convention and who are diehard and who really, mm -hmm. and, and I, those fans are great. I don't want to say anything demeaning about them. That's not the thing, but their, their fandom is generally such that it is so ingrained in their DNA that there's almost nothing that could be done. You know, so Hey, Tom Ricketts brought a world series. Yes. He's golden. There's, he could do no wrong in my book from now on. Mm -hmm. And that is a thought process of a lot of them. And that's fine. And, and if that's where your fandom lies, great. Mm -hmm. But those are the only ones he wants to listen to. Yes. And and that that is a problem. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else we can, because it's kind of just wanted to get out the feelings about uh, this whole thing. But I don't think we'll have much more to add. But um, I'll just ask you, what do you think is going to happen? Just give a prediction for the rest of this offseason. Do more Oof, people get uh, moved? Yeah, I mean, I... I I still feel like even though Hoyer called it fictional, the report about Contreras, it would not shock me at all. Mm -hmm. um, and and I had, I mean, again, and, I, and I'm not trying to make myself out to be particularly prescient, but, you know, my initial thought when I heard a catcher would be involved, because th I'd been saying from the start that I thought Contreras was the most likely to be traded. Mm -hmm. And so then I started hearing that. I was like, oh, man, yeah, they're going to trade Contreras. 
a lot of people are like, well, it's Caratini because he's Darvish's personal catcher. Like, that, no, that's not it at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, and they wanted a catcher, but the thing is, given how little they got back, and, and even if it had been Contreras, I don't think it would have – I think the Padres were playing hardball, so Contreras mm-hmm. being separated from any deal and being moved on his own would yield a much better return mm-hmm. from a more catching-hungry organization. So, uh, And we had heard well before any of this – that he was being shopped. So Joel Sherman had a report that he was, and then Nightingale, Bob Nightingale had one, and he's not as trustworthy. But if that's two separate reports within three weeks and and given everything else we heard about the Padres, that feels like it's, you know, some smoke before mm-hmm. the fire. I think we absolutely see some more guys traded um, if the Cubs can get the right deal, because as I said earlier, it just, it doesn't make any sense for them to have moved, made the move they just did and then not push further on making some other ones because they have not at all meaningfully addressed the problems. If they're not going to spend in free agency, there's no other way to get those things done. So um, I'll be shocked if there are not more moves, more so than I will if if we saw two or three other guys traded. All right. And I guess I'll just Cubs Insider, find all your work. And Bears Insider, I'll have you push that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we've got uh, both sites now. The the latter is certainly, uh, well, it's picked up over the last few weeks. The Bears are actually winning again, but um, Bears Insider or Cubs Insider. And the nice thing is we've got links to, to both sites just back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and, and Facebook as well. Just look those uh, those things up. And then we've got a, a live video program. It's just called mm-hmm. The Rant Live, and we have a Cubs okay. edition and a Bears edition. Uh, typically record on Mondays live, and then they go up as podcasts immediately afterwards. So mm-hmm. if you have a, a whatever podcast platform you prefer, you can go out there and find them there and, and new episodes once a week. All right. And we'll be covering the Cubs, no matter how bad they are, <laughs> how much they tank. So uh, thank you as always, Evan. No problem. Thanks for having me. You can find Evan at D Evan Altman on Twitter. I'm at SDH85. You can email the podcast, holycowpod at gmail, and any questions you have. And you can always at me on Twitter. I, I will answer, and um, you can f- get the podcast on the Apple Podcast app and Spotify and Stitcher. And then, you know, if you want to rate and review the podcast, I'd love that. Love to get feedback. And yeah, as the Cubs keep taking this team apart, I will keep doing podcasts about it. We'll try to find the good parts of it. And yeah, let's go down with the ship.